0: Dad just caught me one day in the hall and said, son, you ready to start working at the store? I said, no, sir. He said, we'll start tomorrow. That actually happened when I was 13. That was a Saturday, and I've been working there ever since. I love it, though. I wouldn't change anything about it. The thing about working there that I enjoy the very most is the fact that I have met so many people, so many walks of life, and that's just a privilege. And of course, your dad was one of them, and I always loved waiting on him because he always had something to tell me that I felt like I learned something. So I really loved waiting on him.
1: This is the Team of a Lifetime show. I'm your host, Sally Love. And I have helped hundreds of leaders in industrial manufacturing, construction, and on capital projects of up to $24 billion, transform their failing or mediocre teams into exceptional teams. Teams that delivered results that people didn't even believe were possible. And that's what the Team of a Lifetime show is all about. Success stories, successful team approaches, and lessons learned to help you transform your team into the team of a lifetime. In this episode, I have a great conversation with my longtime friend, Bynum Poe. Bynum is the third generation leader of family owned farmers' exchange in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And Farmer's Exchange is a business that his granddaddy started in 1939. Bynum shares his journey at Farmer's Exchange, wisdom that he picked up working alongside his granddaddy and his daddy, and just really great nuggets about taking care of your customers. Bynum is kind, humble, and generous, and I know you're going to enjoy this conversation. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast today. I know that you graduated from the Citadel, and so I'm curious, what were you planning to do after you graduated from the Citadel instead of working in the family business?
0: I graduated from the Citadel in May of 1981. Thought about law school, but I knew I wanted to get married. I got married in September of 81. My wife would have worked with that, but I knew I could not be married and go to law school. I'm just not able to multitask like that. So I instead started working at the store full time and I have no regret. And another thing that has been wonderful about working there is I got to work for my granddaddy, he was still coming in the store, bringing the mail every day. And so I got to work with him and actually all through high school. And then I got to work for my daddy. I've been able to work with all four of my children at some point in their lives. And right now, two of my children, Sadler, who graduated from the Citadel in 2019, and Caroline, who graduated from Clemson in 2014. And really, I go to work each day now, and I enjoy it. But they know the young people that are coming in there, and they are doing a great job. And they're making the decisions now. And I love the fact that they're doing it.
1: Bynum, how long has Farmers Exchange been in business?
0: My granddaddy started the store in in 1939. When he finished high school, he went to Davidson for a year. He actually did really well on the entrance exams and I guess it was the dean of students, one of the deans there at Davidson told him that he would either be an exemplary student there or he would fail out. And he told me, sure enough, within the year I was gone. So he didn't make it there, but the next year he started at Presbyterian College and went four years. And then he went out to Kansas City, Missouri. And evidently Kansas City was still a pretty rough place. then. he, one of the stories he told me was that there was a bank near where he worked and there was someone that, Obviously was struggling to make a living. He was a double amputee and he sat in front of one of the banks with a shotgun across his knees and he got killed in a robbery or while my granddaddy was there. Talked to my uncle when I was going to do this interview. And one of the things that he told me that I didn't realize was when my granddaddy was out there, he stayed in a boarding house. And the ladies that ran the boarding house were nieces of Wild Bill Hickok. Just another little interesting fact. I don't think he stayed longer than a year. He said it was too hot in the summer and too cold in the winter. Made his way back home to South Carolina, actually to Charlotte, North Carolina, first, and worked for a friend of his that had started a trucking business. And I think he, I don't know whether he kept books or what he did there, but he worked there for a while. And then he came back to Rock Hill and worked for Marshall Oil Company, ran a gas station for them for a while. And then in 1939, he started the Farmer's Exchange.
1: So how did he decide on Farmer's Exchange? What was it about that particular business? And
0: I'm not real clear on this, but I think that there was a business similar that closed up or aged out. I'm not sure what. And he bought out, The remnants of that business. And that's when he started the store. And I can remember the building. It was a three story building that was located where the library is now. And it had a big old freight elevator. I can remember, to me, it was really big. I'd say it was probably 12 by 12 or maybe a little bigger. And it would go up to the three different floors. The building that they were in before they moved into it was a furniture building of some description, but there were caskets up on the third floor, and one of one of the fellows that worked for my granddad said, so I want you to go up to the third floor and get such and such thing, and he would say, Mr. Poe, I don't like going up on the third floor. He told my granddad, he said, every time I walk past those caskets, I feel a cool breeze on the back of my neck. They were in that building until 1968, and then they moved to where we're located now on Cherry Road.
1: So when did your dad start working at Farmers Exchange?
0: Daddy started working there, graduated from PC in 57 or 58. And he actually, Daddy went to law school for a little while. He went to University of South Carolina Law School and he told me, he said, I don't regret not being a lawyer. I regret being talked out of staying one of the professors there weeded him out and he said I re that I regret I regret quitting Mm -hmm. but he did that and he was also in the National Guard and he got called back up during the Cuban Missile Crisis or the Berlin Wall I think it was Berlin Wall anyway he got called back up so he was at Fort Benning for a while between college and coming to work at the store. Anyway, he started working at the store, late fifties, early sixties, full time. And, and at that time, they were big into agriculture and they were delivering to, at their biggest, they were delivering feed to 29 dairies. I don't, to my knowledge, there are no dairies even left in this area now. And daddy said that on Saturdays, everybody would come to town from the country. All the parking lots would fill up and he could remember when the parking lots all filled up with wagons and mules. And it was Saturday was the big day. A Little later on when they were still delivering feed to these places, they would deliver feed bulk. And one of the trucks that my granddaddy bought was a 1960 model Chevrolet Viking truck. And they had a boom on the top and they could, they would load it full of feed and they would auger that feed up into people's silos. And back then a heater in a truck was one of the options. And my granddaddy bought that truck, no options, including the heat, no heat. Daddy took it and had a aftermarket type electric heater installed in it, but that was just people that went through the depression. They just didn't spend money on things they didn't think were necessary, but heat is good in a truck. Oh, yes it is, it's
1: very good. That reminds me of a time in the late 90s, I was consulting on a project out in Oregon and it was in July, and normally in July in Oregon, the weather's really nice, but that particular year was the hottest year on record, and people were saying there that they didn't have air conditioning in their cars, and I just couldn't even fathom that growing up in the South, not having an air conditioner in a car. Bynum, what is a particularly difficult situation that you encountered at Farmer's Exchange that has ended up making you a better leader?
0: Most of the situations, and I'm sure that most people that are in retail can relate to this, but most of the things that come to my mind are things that for one reason or another, either we made a mistake and someone is unhappy or... We didn't make a mistake, but someone just misunderstood something. And the things that I've learned there is just, if you can take care of the problem as quickly as possible. I haven't had to do it lately, but I have gotten in my car and driven to people's houses to see what we needed to do to make this situation okay. And I have found, and I learned this from my daddy, that you can usually make it okay. There may be a few occasions that you can't, but if you tried, then that's all you can do. I think one of the first instances of that was, I was in my 20s and still thought I knew everything. And we were at that time, but we were working on lawnmowers and we were selling snapper lawnmowers and we're doing a lot of that. And I had worked on somebody's lawnmower. I don't even remember the exact details, but he had called on the phone I would given him the price, and anyhow, somehow or another, the conversation went downhill. And he was coming up to the store, and he was going to be angry when he got there, and I was going to be angry when he got there, too. And I told my daddy, I said, Daddy, there's somebody getting ready to come to the store, and it's not going to be good when he gets here. And my daddy, when the man got to the store, daddy got to him before I did, and he called him by his name and he said, let me ask you this. He said, what do we need to do to make this right? The man was completely disarmed. And whatever we did, I mean, it may have cost us a few dollars. I'm not sure. But whatever we did, he left happy. Daddy got the situation taken care of. And I learned a lesson in life. You can usually take care of things like that if you're just willing to meet people at least halfway and show them that you care about.
1: Yeah, that—that so, that's so true.
0: And I've told my children, even just in life and in business also, it doesn't cost you anything to smile and it'll take you a long way. I've learned a lot from that and it's saved me a lot of heartache.
1: And you just said something else about that too. And that is to take care of it as soon as possible because problems don't get better (laughs) the more time that goes by. They only get worse.
0: Exactly. People think about it and then they fume over it a little bit, and then they call somebody else and tell them about it, and it's just not worth it. It's best just to take care of
1: it. Bynum, I'm curious, what kinds of changes have you seen um, in the types of products or services that Farmers Exchange offers its customers?
0: We were much more, and we still are to a degree, but we were much more agriculture-oriented. We were selling a lot of cow feed, a lot of horse feed. Like, like I said, we were delivering the 29 dairies at one time. And then even after we weren't, we were still selling to some dairies. So we're not geared so much in that direction. Actually, our business is probably geared as much or even more toward women than to, toward men now. We have lots of ladies that come in and work in the yard, bedding plants, work in the garden, work in their flower beds. And my daughter, Caroline, is really carrying a torch in that direction. Caroline has the gift of, she's got the artsy mind. She can take a pot, flowers, and make a pretty arrangement. And she can talk to people about what would look nice in their flower bed and what colors would go together. And I'm completely lost there.
1: Yeah, could you send Caroline to my house sometime, please?
0: <laughs> yeah, right. and she loves it. She wishes now that while she was at Clemson, instead of majoring in psychology, she had majored in agriculture, but she actually did go through a couple of years ago, the Master Gardener program Clemson puts on, and Caroline learned a lot while she was in there. And she met a lot of, she, she was in a class with probably 30 people, and a lot of people that she was in that class with come and buy things from now. She has a little bit of a following from that group. When they took their test at the end of the course, it was an open book test, and Caroline didn't realize it, so she didn't bring her book, and she still had one of the best test scores in there. So she just loved it and gained a lot of knowledge from
1: it. Oh my goodness, she's <laughs> she a smart it. cookie then. Yeah, obviously. she loves it,
0: and yeah. and and she knew she would have an application for it. Of
1: course. Yeah, I'm guessing that the store is seasonal.
0: It is very seasonal. Our busiest months are. March, April, and May—April being the busiest—and March, April, and are like most people's Christmas season. They make or break us, and we're also—we're not as vulnerable to the weather, I don't guess, as farmers are, but we're very vulnerable. And this is something that, that people don't realize. But if we have a a year where in April we have a late frost, people generally plant gardens mid-April, the old rule of thumb is April 15th. And if we have a late frost, or if we have a drought, or if we have the period of rain that we're having right now, if it was in April, it would be detrimental to us because people just can't go out and plant. And uh-huh. when we have that window, once once we reach 90 degrees, people just, they do something besides work in the garden or work in the yard, it's too hot. So. If we, and if we have one of those late freezes where people plant their gardens and then we have a frost and the gardens get killed, what people normally think is, oh, you guys make twice as much money because now you sell it twice. What really happens is we go from having our really big financial days in April to about two or three weeks of very below average days. Financially, and you cannot make up two weeks of not much money.
1: Yeah, not from your peak season, right?
0: And you you just can't. It's just hard to recover from that. That's true for any anybody who is in a seasonal business, and lots of people are. We have March, April, and May. September and October are above average because people are planting lawns in the fall and fall gardens. Not as much as spring, but still doing fall gardens, and then. December, January, and depending on the weather, February are slow months. One of the things that we have done to financially try to become less seasonal in the last 10 or 15 years, we've added some greenhouses. So now what we're able to do is put ourselves to work in December and start plants that we can sell in April, May, and not have to spend money with someone else and purchase their plants. And so that's, we can't do it all that way, but it has helped us to smooth out the curve just a little bit.
1: How did you learn to manage the finances in a seasonal business? Is that something that you learned from your daddy or did you just learn it by trial and error?
0: (laughs) I guess some, both there. Your daddy farm some and he would have known this from farming. We tried to be conservative with what we spent, still do, because there are gonna be some years that are really good and some years that are not. And then some average years. Try not to overextend. 2010, when we had the housing bubble burst and we suffered too in our business because everyone was suffering and people just weren't spending money. We had some years where we were able to make it, but, but we weren't knocking the top out of it. And the fact that we had no real debt to speak of probably was as important as anything because you can cut back on what you buy, you can, but you can't cut debt. Those folks you owe expect their money. And so we were fortunate in that we didn't have that to deal with. And I think that's probably one of the things that benefited us greatly. I guess my daddy learned it from my granddaddy buying that truck.
1: (laughs) Probably (laughs) so, that truck without the heater.
0: And we've just always tried to not buy things that we don't need. I hope my children will learn that lesson, and I think they seem to understand that. So
1: They've had a great teacher, I imagine. I imagine they understand that. In what way, if any, have the big box stores and online shopping impacted farmers? That's
0: funny that you ask that question, because... I remember my daddy telling this story. The first big box store that opened up around us was the Kmart store, or at least the one that would have been in competition with us. I remember daddy saying that he was was scared to death when this Kmart opened, and I guess that would have been 60s maybe. And daddy said the first year that the Kmart opened our sales increased greatly and it was because Kmart was running these big they were spending a lot of money advertising for people to do things in their yard and we benefited from the money that they spent in advertising
1: how interesting I would never have thought about that
0: isn't that something he said probably the best thing that happened to us was when the Kmart opened And and we have some we have a little bit of adversity from box stores, of course, and and some of it is the inverse of that. They'll run prices where we can still sell product, but can't make as much money on it. So it works both ways. But we have found that if we try to sell service along with the product, that if people feel like they're getting a value for their dollar, we can compete with. And there seems to be enough business for them and us too. And so far we have been able to to do that.
1: Bynum, what advice would you have for someone who's just starting a business or just starting out in their career?
0: One of the, the first things that comes to my mind in in answering that question is something that my daddy used to say and he used to say, good service never goes out of style.
1: Mm, I love that.
0: I do too. <laughs> And uh, I think that's an Albus Poe original, but I can remember him saying that. Uh, and going along with that, I've always tried to, in our store, treat others the way I would want to be treated. And I think, you know, and, and this is all common sense. Uh, then another thing is, if, if you can truly care about the people that you deal with, because they know it, if you do. And I think that's how you build a business for the long run. You have to be knowledgeable about what you sell. And so that's something that's important and you hear this a lot, but I think there's a lot of truth in it. I would say, try to do something that you enjoy doing. And that's one of the things I can say I do. I I enjoy doing it. I think this is one of the hardest ones. And this applies to any kind of business or really life in general. If you're wrong, say you're wrong. And that's not easy. That's a hard one. And then be kind to others because it makes you happy to do it. And encourage others. And that gives you joy. It,
1: It does bring great joy to encourage people and to see other people do well, I, I right. love doing that.
0: I love that too. I love that. And one of the things that I, that goes along with that, finding good people to work in your business, sometimes it's hard to do. We've been very fortunate. But we have always done what you just said. My daddy did it. I've always tried to do it. And my granddad did it, I know too. If someone is working at our store and they have an opportunity to improve, advance, go to another job, and it's good for them. Even though we're going to lose a good person, we're all for it. It's because good people are going to find good things to do. And it's nice to be an encouragement to them and to be a part of their success.
1: Absolutely.
0: I think those are all good things to, uh, to keep in mind.
1: You've led Farmers Exchange for many years now, and now it's fourth generation with two of your children working there. Do you ever wish you could go back and have a conversation with your granddaddy? And if so, is there anything that you would ask him?
0: Wow, that's a good question. I'm sure there are a lot of things he could tell me that would help me out. I really feel, though, that the important things that I would ask him. He already showed me, and Daddy, too. I would love to go back and talk to him just to enjoy him.
1: What do you believe they would be most proud of if they could see Farmers Exchange today?
0: My granddad died in 1984, Daddy in 2009, and the fact that we're still in business and that we're financially stable and we still enjoy it, I think they would love the fact that there's a fourth-generation Involved in it now. My oldest daughter Fran is; she's a medical doctor. And Sadler is like his, like Fran and his mama. He's smarter than I am. He's smart like Melanie. And we tried to convince him to do some type of postgraduate study because he would have been very capable. And this is what he wanted to do. So we're happy for him to do it. So I think they would enjoy that. And he's very good at it. He's very good at meeting the public and he's very good at making financial decisions. And, and he also majored in business. So he he's able to do understand the books, that kind of thing. I think they would like that.
1: And I have a feeling they'd like the fact that y'all are still providing outstanding service to your customers.
0: Thank you. And I think they would, I think they would like that too.
1: Thank you so much, Bynum. You and I have been friends for many more years than we're going to claim. Yes,
0: we have.
1: (laughs) And I so was looking forward to this today, to have you as my guest on the podcast. And it's really been a pleasure. So thank you.
0: It's been a pleasure for me too. Thank you, my wonderful friend, Sally Love.
1: I hope you enjoyed that episode and that it blessed you in some way. If this was valuable to you, will you share it? And let me know what questions you have about developing exceptional teams. And you might just hear your answer right here in the future. Join me next week for another episode of the Team of a Lifetime show.